0: Hello and welcome to Rights, Rorts, and Rants. Uh, this is Fran here, and I'm in the studio with Warren Ross, and we're going to talk about finance today. Um, apparently, Job Keeper is ending in September. Job Maker has just been announced. Um, but we have a few people talking about Job Killer. Um, Tarek Booker uh, has been talking about it on Digital Finance Analytics and we'll play a bit of that later. But I think to give us the broader picture of what's going on globally and economically in the first world, let's talk about um, Davos, for instance, and um, what's been going on there. And Warren, you were were mentioning before um, the big reset.
1: Yeah, this is a, a project put together by the World Economic Forum. And if I could just read briefly what they're proposing. The Great Reset is is a commitment to jointly and urgently build the foundations of our economic and social systems for a more fair, sustainable, and resilient future. It requires a new social contract centered on human dignity, social justice, and where social progress does not fall behind economic development. Now, that's a pretty grand claim but I'm not sure that too many of the rest of us have been involved in this discussion. Now, from what I understand is it really launches next January, January 2021, and uh, it's there's going to, 400 cities are going to be involved in this. So it's going to be a, a huge Zoom project, I imagine. But I think it's probably a good idea that we, um, we get ready for it. So maybe we could find someone, maybe some of our local politicians know anything about it because I'd hate to have leave this um, very important project to just a few people to put together.
0: Well, at the moment, I mean, there's only a very few people putting together the Australian economy, if that. And, of course, we have, what is it, snapback in September. So, uh, I guess that's the first thing on the agenda for the Australian government. but what do you think that the – I mean, would Scott Morrison be involved in this
1: this group of, of – Look, I, it's hard to say. Imagine he'd be there somewhere because, as you know, we're a very important player in in, in world economics. But uh, I do remember Scott talking a while ago about, uh, about things like doctor's visits, just briefly, that those might be carried out online in the future. And these are some of the things that – this project, and, and there's another one called the uh, Artificial Intelligence for the American People that they're looking at. Because evidently the concern that the Americans have is they're falling behind in the artificial intelligence race. Uh, they're ahead in terms of the creation, in, in in the development, but falling behind in the implementation. Mm-hmm. China, because it's got a, a population which is, um, it, it perhaps has a greater handle over, um, things like one of the, the sorts of things they're talking about rolling this out into are things like like cl- classrooms. Now, the classroom thing, we've just been through a bit of that. I've been watching some of that; um, these programs being pushed into our schools. I had concerns about this because I couldn't see that they were coming from government. They are largely corporate products that are being pushed out, and. I'm not sure that I want our education system controlled by the Googles, the Apples. Most of these products were corporate products from these organisations, and yes. I'm just not sure uh, where that was heading. But also things like um, algorithms on on finance. So we'll get our finance information in the future. It'll be done through an algorithm, yes. of some sort. Um, policing and, and 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 private surveillance will be a, a key part of our uh, of the uh, legal questions. Will be framed, again, in an artificial intelligence That's right, yeah. um, Shopping, which in China, to a great extent, is now done online. This will be pushed on us as, as well. And uh, yeah, it's just a elimination of cash is another thing. Yeah, the now, cash ban, bring that back. These are a, a big changes that people seem to be planning for us. And I can't see at the moment where we're engaged in the discussion Anywhere.
0: No, that's right. And here in Australia, it's been all under the cover of COVID that we have to have this online, you know, online life, really. That's basically. right. That's right. Um, however, if we go back to the NAPLAN tests, for instance, now, yes. the, the NAPLAN tests were um, often the textbooks for the NAPLAN tech, uh, tests were... Um, by a private company. They, yes. they were sort of done by a private yes. company. The tests themselves were carried out by a private company. And so it's very much a kind of privatisation of education in, in one sense, but also like a corporate product that's being sprooked in a way.
1: Yeah, I just yeah, the extension of that is I've never understood why governments forced us into using the microsoft suite of products for example there should have been a corporate version of those products yes. but where it's like and so many aspects of our life and we'll get on to jobs in the future and we've had this notion we, we've handed over our um our employment system largely again to the private sector there was, was a time when there was no such thing as unemployment or effectively no such thing as unemployment because we understood from the period 1942 to 74, we understood that government had perfect control over the level of unemployment. Now, we're coming back to a stage where, and I think you're going to mentioned you, uh, Stephanie Colton, we're coming yes. back to a stage where we are going to face, we're seeing at the moment, somewhere between 13 and 15% unemployment is the true figure now. That's somewhere right. around 10% underemployed. You are not going to fix those things no. without a public sector employment program. No. So we've got a stronger role for government in, the, in, in, in so many of these areas. That's
0: true. However, um, I was listening to Stephanie Colton, she was on Money Matters, I think, last night. All the the money last night yeah. on the ABC now she was saying uh, one of the things she, one of the things she, she was saying was that in an ideal world what you would have is a kind of jobs bank where people would go in and they would you know be interviewed about what what their skills are and there would be a job there for them well that's sort of what Centrelink is supposed to do right and has been supposed to do for quite a long time and obviously it doesn't work because the big myth here is that they are there are jobs, there's a job for every person. Well, there isn't a job for every person. And and especially with AI, there won't be a job for every person. So one of the things that's been running through my mind is this uh, switch to, um, to, to, to digital and to AI, to surveillance and to government, uh, massive government sort of input into the economy, um, could also be a sort of, um, especially the surveillance part, could also be a kind of a preparation for massive unemployment, for the massive of unemployment that um, that they're figuring will happen, perhaps with the reset. Because, you know, AI will take a lot of jobs. It'll take lawyers' le- legal jobs. As you mentioned, it'll take education jobs. It'll, it'll... And it'll run things according to a kind of paradigm that... Um, suits the government. There will be a a government agenda in there, as there is in China with, for instance, the social credit system, which I think Scott Morrison has been considering. And I know certainly um, Trump has been considering, as he's been considering facial recognition. facial recognition software, which plus all the sort of data that goes with that. So the thing about, for instance, any Zoom or WebEx or whatever that you do, any online learning, is all that data is collected. And with algorithms or with AI, it can be processed and used very, very quickly to produce certain results. And we don't know the kind of makeup of those results, because the algorithms are always biased in a way. I mean, somebody writes them. They don't just write themselves. I guess with artificial learning, they do write themselves, but initially, there's a kind of set of protocols or there's a a kind of measurement or a a profile that that the algorithm is going to produce, you know. For instance, facial recognition software has real problems with um, African Americans, apparently, or real problems with people who have a different look. Or gate recognition, um, which is another form of surveillance, I guess, has a real problem with people with disabilities. So, um, so, th- so it's it. What it does is it produces a profile, or a or a model, a stereotype of how you should be according to its, you know, its uh, im its prof its oh shape or whatever. Um, yeah. So it's 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 on the one hand, it might seem, uh. Quite sort of equal in that is applied to everyone, but on the other hand, there is a bias in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the other thing is that who's involved in developing this project in the U.S. That um, artificial intelligence project is largely the um, the security agencies That's right. and Silicon Valley yes. that are at the centre of it. Yes. Now, we've seen the role that the Facebooks and the Googles. Have played in our world over the last few years in carefully sifting and controlling the quality of information that we that we get. Absolutely. And so we're we're right to be distrustful of, of such a system now, and we also have no reason to believe that that our government would hand us over directly to that sort of surveillance framework. They've well they've given no given us no indication that they they represent us.
0: Well, the um the app the COVID Safe app was. Given to um, Amazon, right? Ah, yes, that's right. Yeah. Against, uh, there were there were many Australian companies yeah. that could have done it, yeah. but no, it was given to a- Amazon, which store which has a cloud storage system, which is also storing the um, the American intelligence. Yes, we did
1: it. Jeff Bezos has done very well out of this uh, COVID crisis as well. Yes, he's been gobbling up um, other book. Outfits, like one of the best ones I used to, A Books, for example, that's gone. I think the book depository as well is another one he's, he's snapped up. Mm. Um, so he's, he's increased his... While the average person has gone backwards, and as last I heard he's, he's accumulated thirty another $34 billion in yeah. the time. Now, th- what yeah. we're talking about here is uh, this is a result of online activity, and there will be a drive from certain people... to. To move to move online because it, it, it benefits them. Yes, but what it means for the rest of us, we're not really in the discussion. And just another point that yeah. you were making a minute ago about about employment, and this is the the key the key thing. Jobs are going to disappear, but it's interesting they're using that term jobs, um, because job is a, a job in our in our world is something is something that someone gives to you. It's someone that. it's very much the master-slave relationship. The job guarantee that people like Stephanie Kelton have been pushing for a long time, we actually had Bill Bill Mitchell at the centre of it too, and Bill was actually just a a few years ago at our uh, Politics of the Pub in in Katoomba. He's a, a leading world figure and one of the architects of the job guarantee. He's talking more about meaningful work and he's talking about work being designed for a, within a local community. So even if those jobs are automated out of existence, there's no reason for us to believe that work will disappear. There's no. any amount of work that might be done. And our local TAFE could be used to expand our skills. Well,
0: absolutely, yeah. And and the thing is also that um, this is the perfect opportunity to invest in renewables, to, to do another kind of reset, if you like, which would be labor intensive. Um, but no, I mean the the <clears throat> most of the jobs are, uh, are most of the projects are infrastructure projects, which incidentally won't begin until you know two months before the next election. I mean, so there's all these promises of ninety billion here and a hundred billion there, but really it's it's a it will be another sort of sports warts scheme, I think. Um, but yes, uh, there, there's no. In fact, there's. There's so little interest in renewables that I've heard recently that they're they're wanting to tax, uh, put a tax on people who have solar and and supply energy back to the grid because uh, it leaves only poor people, um, you know, who can't afford solar... they picking up the... Picking up the... the the, 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 Yeah, so, I mean, this is... is, I mean, what kind of, you know, uh, energy-saving scheme is this? It's ridiculous. But, but, you know, getting back to... um, you were talking about before about the um, the sort of push to AI and mm. online, mm. and that being controlled by mega corporations, yes. um, and also in a way sort of being uh, funneled through government. Um, it, it's very interesting that the whole notion of social isolation, which is a physical isolation in terms of COVID nineteen, but it also corresponds to a lot of research that's been done on. Online learning mm. or screen culture, yes, yes. Uh, especially on kids, yes. and how that has produced <clears throat> a kind of society of individuals who are socially isolated from each other. So you put COVID nineteen together with, you know, these kind of technologies, and what we can end up with is a society that basically is a f- it's a form of autism in a well, way, and I, I don't yeah, mean that derogatory, yeah. in a, but it's no, it's no. it's a form of you know uh and and there's been research done on this when when people spend too long on online or have most of their life in a kind of virtual world they lose the social skills that you would get in face-to-face social interaction so when you lose those skills there are other powers that can come in the government it's much easier to control people who were socially isolated. Yeah, there's, you know. a,
1: there's a philosophy underpinning that too. You would have mm. heard in recent years um, there's been so much talk about the entrepreneur and entrepreneurial culture and it fits in with this concept of, of neoliberalism. I don't know whether we touched on this last time but neoliberalism is not just a, 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 a pejorative term that you, you throw at people. It actually has a real meaning and it was first... The the first the term was first used by um, by members of the Mont Pelerin Society in 1947, and this was the starting point of. We'd gone through a, a long period. We'd gone through the 1890s depression, which didn't things didn't really recover till about till, till after the First World War. We had a, a brief blip of prosperity through through the twenties. Then we're back into a recession. Then through the, it, nothing happened. People things didn't recover until after the Second World War. That's so you've right. had a long period of people looking at this system and saying it's not working too well. That's right. And what was what was what was going on was that there was a lot of talk at the time about socialism and about the need to a, a business culture was on the nose, and it was recognised. It was recognised by the by the friends of business that this was a this was a problem, and they went underground and looked at developing a philosophy. That would that could that they could so they could be reborn it was like a a, a um you know, a rebuilding process and um, it's well described in a book which I think we did mention last time democracy in chains mm-hmm. which was written by Nancy MacLean. Uh, it's in our library actually v- very good book it explains they waited until the ni- early 1970s they had to wait through that period of time but the central philosophy that they were teaching was the philosophy that the system is perfect the economic system is perfect. That and the, market best, the market knows best. read yeah. the market signals and you're a success yeah. or failure by your capacity to read those market yes. s- signals.
0: Yeah, and, and if you actually, interestingly enough, if you look at the way that the stock market's been performing, mm. both um, globally and in Australia, it, ha- it bears absolutely no relation to real production at the no. moment. It's mm-hmm. been going up and down and and... You know, it's been going down, you know, on the basis of job figures, but it's been going up on the basis of nothing.
1: I mean, it's it's, well, it's astounding. Gotten, it's gone up largely um, through the injection of um, of public money That's in, right. in the US. Trillions of dollars have been pumped into the US economy because the only organisation that can really destabilise these governments is real power. Mm. The money power mm. has the capacity to do it. To destabilise these governments, the truth is they're not particularly worried about us. We had 18% unemployed, underemployed, and those who'd given up, fallen outside the system, before this COVID crisis hit. That's right. We were already in economic trouble
0: absolutely before that. And so they weren't worried about us.
1: they were not worried about us. Now we're moving towards something like 25% of the same, the same thing. Largely, this project we're looking at the moment is safe capitalism rather than than um, addressing our needs. Now, they'll, they'll do their best. And you're hearing now for the first time, there is talk about, um, uh, even in the financial review, review today, they were talking about the need to loosen budgets. Now, I know that there have been many people, and I've been, been one of them, who's been trying to push the modern monetary theory argument, the notion that governments have the capacity to, to, to spend. And we've really got nowhere. <laughs> over a long period of time. So, the reason we're getting somewhere now is not because of our effort at all. It's because the system needs to move, it needs to do something different. And government has to spend. If the yes. government didn't spend at the moment, our economy would already be in a crater. So um, so
0: the, the big question, I think... Uh, first of all, maybe just explain modern monetary theory, MMT, a little bit. Can you well,
1: that, do that? That'll be hard. The there are a number of angles... Angles to it, but basically, its its concept is the key concept is that we're not limited by the only limitation in our economy is not money, it's resources. And when we leave 15, 18 percent of our of, of our workforce unemployed, when the resources are in place, when we when government has that capacity to spend and put those people to work, this is a criminal act. This is a completely un- unnecessary thing. Government needs to use its, its currency-issuing powers in the interests of the public. So, now, so,
0: one of the things that Stephanie Kelton says is that it's, you know, the, the, the mythology, I guess, is that government budgets are like house budgets, you know, and that, um, you know, if it goes, if a household goes into debt, it has to cut back, blah, 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 same with governments. Whereas, it's, which is a complete fallacy because the government prints money. Basically, that's, it's printing digital right. money at the moment, but it, it prints money. Households don't print money. They There's earn really, money.
1: Yeah, but we, we all... We're, we're conned about this idea of debt, mm. and it's an artificial thing. It's really governments... I won't go into too much detail about this, but it's government selling, selling bonds, and it really is what it is. It's giving giving companies... At the moment, the government are uh, is... Um, Companies are paying the government to hold their money, in effect. They're actually, in a sense, losing losing money in the process because they know there's only one safe source of money in our society, and that's the government. Mm. The government, while businesses, banks can go broke, the federal government cannot go broke. So the safest place you can put your money, if you've got a lazy... Three that's or right. four million. The safest place you can put it is in a government
0: bond. That's right. Which which is why bonds go up. Government bonds go up when when you know the, the, the economy crisis? is going
1: down. Yeah, yeah. But and that, that's but that. And that's called our debt. But the idea of a debt being in your own country, own currency, is a ridiculous concept. It, it is not really a debt. We label it a debt. And there's a great example of that. If you want to see a great example of, get this explained to you. It's explained over forty-eight minutes. Um, so you might not stick through the whole thing, but go to the 45-minute mark. If you go onto YouTube and look up Alan Kohler, the ABC's finance man, talking to Bill Mitchell, mm. and at the 45-minute point, Kohler says to him, OK, I get it. This debt thing is nonsense. OK, I, I get it. But the reason we, we tell this lie to the public is because if we didn't, their expectations would go wild. they their expectations of government could go on. And in a sense, what that would do, if, if we if we understood and we showed government that we understood that that government can't run out of money then, and they should be spending... our When they tell us... Stephanie Kelton explains this beautifully. She says, nothing's going to change until we need to stand up in front of... Until a politician stands up in front of an audience and says, look, I'd love to help, but we don't have the money. And the crowd turns on him and says... Don't tell me you don't have the money, don't tell me Tell me it's not part of your value system, tell me you don't believe in it, but don't tell me you have the money. Now we have, the government has all the money we need to give us the best education system, the best health system imaginable. We don't need to invite the pub, the, the private sector in to fix all our woes. It's, it's nonsense. Money is used to mobilise resources in an economy. A government with its own currency can mobilise those resources just as easily as the private sector can, and it can do it in our interest. Uh, but the the argument is always, well, oh, well what about Weimar, you know,
0: what, Weimar, Germany, and what about, you know, Argentina and, you know, various... and, and Venezuela, places where, you know, um, inflation has gone... Oh, Zimbabwe, sorry, where, where inflation has gone absolutely wild. Um, because the government has printed money. So this has been a lesson that we were taught at school, you know. Well, you Zim- can't just print money,
1: or you'll have your, you'll have your wages in wheelbarrows. Well, I'm just reading a book called Mugabe because I just want to have a little more, more look at that. No, I, under- I understood what the basic problem was, but I'm just at the point in the, um, in, in, in the book on Mugabe in Zimbabwe where the, um, his, the children of his, um, of his revolutionaries are heading off to the to the white farms to um, to, to, to massacre and butcher and, and 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 take back the farms. Now redistribution of land was a vitally important issue in Zimbabwe. But what happened there was a destruction of their farming industry. And if you remove 50, 60 percent of production and you have the same amount of money in the system, you are going to have inflation. If you right. strip all that that industry out. The other example you used is, is Argentina, and this is a, an interesting one. Last Sunday on, um, on Background Briefing, terrific program on debt called The Debt Monster, which maybe we'll go into a little more detail later on. But they're interviewing um, the uh, fellow called Guy De Bell.
0: And we're back and we're joined now by Jeannie Baxter. We, was, we were talking about the, the, trying to connect all the dots, really. And so we've got these massive stimulus programs. We've got the ability of, of government to print money, um, you know, and that not being an issue, that not really being debt, um, you were saying, Warren. Yeah. We've got what you were talking about before, the Great Reset, which apparently is some global reorganisation of society. We've got the introduction of AI. Um, we've got all these various schemes that are coming out of morrison's mouth you know monthly and they all sort of start with job it's it's weird um but we also have massive mortgage stress we have um people beginning to default on their loans we have banks saying in september if you can't pay your mortgage you're going to have to sell so we're looking at a supposed housing crash so we've got all these other things going on. Now, just trying to piece it together, um, I think we would, Warren, we were talking a bit about neoliberalism before, mm-hmm. and, and we decided that maybe this is more than neoliberalism. Maybe this is something called, and Jeannie, you said corporatism. Yeah, so that's, that, that's just the, the US, back chat from, yeah. I think. Where the corporations
2: are in effect deciding on policy and submitting policy to the government, and the government is then producing policy In response to what corporations and and large business wants Um, but in terms of capitalism it's where you say that corporations hold all the capital and the capital has to be kept valuable so work or manufacture or or any of those things that people can do that we can work harder at cease to have any value the only thing that has value is capital, and what keeps its value is making sure that not very many people can have it. <laughs> so that, as I understand it, is capitalism. But corporatism... It's where, I mean, corporations get to have biggest... And they're not just considered citizens with citizens' rights. They have more rights than citizens. And we don't vote for them, but they have yeah. the greatest way with our government.
0: So really, I think under corporatism, it's corporations that run the government, yeah. basically. And the government yeah. becomes this kind of... Um, what do you call it, a puppet for... And, and we've, we've sort of known this for a while. Well, but
2: ever since the, the report on the Indu card, which is online if anyone would like to read it, oh, good. where Andrew Forrest wrote government policy and thanked the big four banks and mm. Coles and Woolworths yeah. for their input. Yeah. I mean, this isn't... They're not elected by yeah. anybody, and yet they're producing policy.
0: Yeah. And, and so, we're trying to sort of get our heads around this idea of, um, of debt and, you know, public debt and private debt and printing money. Well, not really printing, it's all digital. But, you know, and, and the idea that the government can spend as much as it likes, really, and it's not really debt, um, productive debt and unproductive debt. But we're also trying to get our heads around the idea of corporations basically running social welfare which is the indu card and the massive surveillance that goes on with that yes, and so so what kind of picture is the emerging voice, here I
1: think too. any any well there's a terrific program last last sunday i think it's the best program on radio which is background briefing on sunday morning and it was called the uh, this week's was called the debt monster and it pointed out that 39% of australians um, have no more than a month's savings they lose their job they, they're going to be in, in a hole after that now the discussion went on as to you know, what we're going to do about this about this problem where are we going to go in terms of this job keeper they're discussing at the moment? it's supposed to end in, S- in September and they had the reserve governor the reserve the deputy governor of the reserve bank on who um, spoke to the interviewer and said look everything seems to be going okay Then they spoke to Bill Mitchell, who's the modern monetary theory fellow, and he made it very clear, unless we have a major government stimulus that'll probably go on for the next 10 years, unless we have a major government employment program, nothing's going to happen. Well, the Reserve Bank man called our journalists back a bit later and said, look, things aren't aren't quite as good as we thought they were. Um, We're going to face massive unemployment. We are going to have to do do something about it. Um, And... The, the, the journalist was smart enough to pick up and he said, so these MMT ideas, these ideas of uh, of government creating work, quite feasible then. This is not such a bad idea. And he fudged. This fellow, they have to do this. But he fudged. And he said, yeah, look, basically, he actually acknowledged that, he did, that he'd actually been, um, Bill Mitchell had been his professor at University oh, at Adelaide right. University. <laughs> that's right, yeah. And he said, um, well, look. We know these ideas. We understand these ideas, uh, but you've got to be careful because if you don't, if you're not, if, if you spend too freely, you're going to end up like Argentina. Now, that was the greatest piece of fraud. Argentina's debt was in a foreign currency. If you've got a debt in your own currency, you're not going to have much trouble paying it back. The Argentinian it was Argentinian, debt, like their own people had sold them out, in in a sense. That was that was the issue. But we are going to have, we are going to need massive government involvement. In this, in this economy for a, for a substantial period of time. The real question is, which is what Jenny's talking about, who do they look after? Yeah, are they going to actually right. look after this pool of unemployed or are we just going to promote the speculation and corporatism that we've been seeing well, for the last 20, 30 years?
2: Where a lot of the money is going, it isn't actually doing anything or producing anything. No. So it's not real work. It's like the... How do you say? Deloitte. 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 Saying yeah. the economy will recover, but jo- employment won't recover and, and, and workers' pay won't go. Because in their terms, the economy, as far as they're concerned, is just moving money around. So it, it, it looks like there's more and more of it. But the, the issue is is that if work has value, you know, it, it comes back to capital mm. again. Capital can only be, you can only keep loading capital. And it's the fact that people don't have it that helps keep it valuable. If you make production and work and and you you put the value there, we can work to improve things because work becomes valuable. And you pay tax on the work that you do. So not only are you paying tax, you're producing something and you're building all kinds of connections and community. And as you work and and you you then sort of factor in training and you start, it, it sort of builds on itself. If it's just about capital, capital doesn't reproduce, no. <laughs> or, 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 or
1: it doesn't care where it goes. Jobs too. Interesting. Work rather than jobs. You used the term work rather than jobs. Well, a lot Which of this is interesting.
2: Job keeper isn't about, and and if you look mm. at how Job Keeper is set up, mm. the more the bigger the company, the more Job Keeper they get, but. It's, it's going to stall and fall over because nobody is actually producing anything. Rather than the government coming in and saying, okay, these workers can't do this work anymore, let's if we're going to pay people job keeper, let's look at how we can facilitate moving into a slightly different area so that people can work yes. and produce something. And you have to be sensible about it. I mean, we've all heard that ridiculous comment where we need more farms, send all the unemployed people out to, to pick apples. I mean, it's not... Anybody who's ever picked apples for a living is going job. to laugh because it's hard work. Mm-hmm. If you want to invest in people that become professional fruit pickers, you then have to start building a structure where people can be trained, where they can develop skills, where and where they can make a decent amount of money and have accommodation because at the moment, it you know, it, it doesn't sort of so, balance
0: out. So um, the new job trainer, the new <gasps> one that's come oh, out, no, have they... you...
2: The Have you looked uh, what
0: where is that
1: focused? I, I What's just the focus had a look
2: that? today. I'm sorry, I, I tend to get a bit random. Okay. It's good. It's <laughs> so,
1: good. I'm so interested. So just, I'm interested.
2: Okay. I'm, I I had a look at the new job trainer today. Now the thing that really struck me because there's the government has posted this PDF online. So you, everybody can read it and everybody should. They talk a lot about the importance of training and getting people to go in different places. And they talk they said they've talked to 500 and something stakeholders and i'm going to b- give you a breakdown of who these stakeholders oh. are okay oh. so sta- stakeholders of <laughs> but at no point do they specify like clarify who they are so they it, it, it may be that they what they're actually talking about is taking this 15 billion dollars or however much it is and recreating the disaster we've just had by just giving it to private sure. training companies of course they which are. which failed in the US you know, 10 years before it failed here, and it's already ha- failed but here. But you know, it only
1: fails in a sense. We're going we're to spend 270 billion on military equipment. It's been spent, and it's gone into pockets. There's, there's the society's point of view, and there's the recipient of the money's point of view. And they're two different things. This is about GDP increasing GDP, mm. and it doesn't matter how it's spent as long as the wealthy get the money. Yeah, yeah. But That's the game. We've, yeah.
2: we've got Maybe we have to redefine GDP, but these stakeholders, and this, it would be really interesting to maybe talk to Susan Templeman and get an actual breakdown of who these people are, because at, at this National Skills Commission consultation, the National Skills Commission, by the way, is a brand new um, sort of focus group that, again, The Liberal government is supposed to like small government. They have a hell of a lot of these sort of private consultancy commissions all over the place, which all kind of feed of public money. But anyway, we had 156 education providers, um, 101 employment career providers. Now, they're the main ones. For all we know, that they're a bunch of of Ah. people affiliated with political parties, and the employment providers, if they are the job agencies, they're already a waste of space, but anyway... is
1: the VET scheme all over again?
2: It, it, I think it is. I think it is. So, you've got 80 representatives from state, state and territory governments, 74 employers like to know who they were. Now, it says peak body and industry peak body, which is not clear to me what that is at all, but that was 49 and 35 people. SSO...
0: Hello, I'm from the... 19
2: people. Um, 15 other people, <laughs> no students. And uh, seven members of the union movement know, again, which union they don't specify. So it would be very interesting to have a breakdown from Susan Temple. Maybe we should contact her and Mm -hmm. ask if she could give us the 500 people actually listed as to who were the task force on this commission. Because it would be really interesting to see, again, who is making public policy. Yes,
1: that's right. But isn't, isn't, this, uh, isn't this as well, this is this vocational push too? This is this idea of steering us towards vocation rather than education as, as a business project. Now, for example, the guy who's, who's developing, redoing the, the, the curriculum for New South Wales, this CSA, I think it's called, um, is is Peter Shergold. Now, Peter Shergold is the Chancellor of the University of Western Sydney, but he was also uh, John Howard's... Um, work choices man. Okay
2: that's not a recommendation. Now
1: you know I, I think the man's a real disease an horrendous <laughs> choice and but what we're doing is, is shaping our educational future yeah. towards a jobs world that we don't even understand yet. Yeah. We're not part of discussing what that what that yeah, looks no, like. That's right. It's corporatism. Okay. I think yes, it is. I
0: think it's yes, a corporate yes, world. Yes. I, I so, have, so, yeah. so let's just hold that for a moment. We need to take a break and, um, <laughs> and let's talk about maybe what the ideology of corporatism will be, you know, mm. post COVID, um, when we come, because we understand capitalism, you know, to an extent, but corporatism is something new, it's, really. It's what it, run,
2: it's the US and yeah. we can see what's happening in yeah. the US
0: yeah. very mm. okay. fast. This is a, an historic opportunity in the midst of, you know, climate change, of we, planetary yeah. destruction. I mean, you know, it, it's.
2: We can it, see it's, how how the existing policies that they're trying to impose on us now are playing out in the U.S., and it's not looking good. No. It's looking worse and worse. They have rioting on the streets every day.
1: They say, 50 cities I've heard are in riot. So, like 25% of. Um, all people in in Los Angeles County are unemployed. Twenty five percent. Yeah.
2: And yeah. it's get apparently it's about to get worse because they're about to start tipping people out of their homes. Right. So yeah. We ha- right. we are only seeing it beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because once people have no home and no food, what do you do?
0: <laughs> well, well, again, you know, let's go back to this idea of of a monetary MMT. Um, why can't the government just build a whole lot of low-income housing, what's stopping it? If if debt isn't the, yeah, the the ideology behind it. So what is this ideology of corporatism? I mean, how bad is it? Because you
2: can see it in Mount Druitt, where house prices have just hit the 1.8 million mark because they've just opened it to developers who are coming in and buying the land Mm. and are going to go and build more of their crappy blocks of flats, which they will sell to people At an inflated price, because the government's solution is to, as soon as we can, start bringing in more and more and more immigrants. That's right. With without providing any services, and when we don't have enough jobs, and we're all immigrants here. But but but
0: also that's been the way we've grown over the last 30 years. Yes, but
2: the immigrants that are here right now are also Australians, and they need jobs too. And at some point, we have to say, okay, well, let's get things moving forward so that we can look at immigration again, but in a sustained and, and positive way where everybody gets to contribute, instead of using it as a short-term fix to keep pumping money into people like Murvac, it has to be it has to be done in a way. And you know, if you look at things like immigration as well, I had a, the, the girl that used to live with me was working I think for the, the refugee help group in, in Newtown and she was saying, you hear all these things about how we're being over, overrun by refugees. She said, do you know how many we did last year? And she said 47, or I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was under 50, Yeah, under 50, because when she first said that I said, what, 47,000? No. So the immigration that we've, we've got is being done in a very specific way for a very specific
1: Absolutely, end. it's largely corporate immigration. It's a lot, I think it's about at least a third of it anyway. It's corporate, it's, you have people with money, a lot of money coming in, which are having an impact as well on the on the housing market. But it's the reason you're not gonna get social, I grew up in social housing. The reason you're not gonna get social housing though, is because it's in competition with people making a lot of money. And yes. much, exactly the same model is on, is on employment. As I said here before, the, 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 the before between forty two and seventy four we had a full employment policy, which meant it was a promise after the Second World War by Coons, Everts, Chifley. Curtin had died by then. Ed Husick celebrated this in the Saturday paper last last weekend, this full employment policy that we guaranteed Australians you're not going to suffer the indignity of unemployment that you did like before the war. OK, so we get that that, syst- that system's in. In the early 70s, for this very reason, it disappeared. 74, it disappeared. Because um, business was rebelling. They resented having to match decent public sector wages and benefits. And there's a key moment. I went to a celebration that Bill Mitchell ran, the 70th anniversary of that Deadman White Paper, which promised Australians full employment. I went... This was five years ago. And... Um, Some old Labor people were there and they said they were talking to Jim Cairns outside Gough Whitlam's office. And uh, Cairns was going in to save full employment. He came out 15 minutes later and said, I've been sacked. And that was when Bill Hayden took over. And when we're told that Labor became responsible economic managers. Mm. But it's also perceived as a time where Labor turned its back on on the employment, on the unemployed, and we've gone now for. I remember, just quickly, a current affair. In '73, it kicked into that dole bludger concept, and we've been running that for 40, 47 years now. They, 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 you know, yeah, 47 years now. They started this program of blaming the individual, which is neoliberalism. Rather than, it's not a system problem. We don't have system problems anymore. We only have. Uh, we only have personal problems.
0: So, so, in other words, the whole, say for instance, not providing like the the dole bludger thing, the acceptance of a high rate of unemployment, um, the no social housing, but lots of you know land for MIRVAC or whatever, um, is really just about making corporations wealthier. Yes. Is that as far as it goes, or do you think that there's well, a? Well, it's making
2: the people who it's making a very limited amount of people very very wealthy.
0: And, and so, do you think that that's the extent of the push, the ideological push, or do you think there's something else going on? So, for instance, match that, match the... Oh, here's an example. Match the... Um, the uh, ignoring the plight of the poor, giving the money to corporations, not doing anything about social welfare or education or whatever, you know. Um, that all then becomes um, a sort of a wealth creator for corporations and um, match that against the, or with, the surveillance aspect of, you know, we were talking before, Warren, about um, artificial intelligence, 5G, you know, the massive programs like INDU, you know, like the tracking of... So, So, in other words, you've got this... Could it be that we have a big, you know, There's a fear of, you know, a mass uprising because of the huge unemployment, the lack of social housing, the lack of the government's not doing anything for us, let's get rid of government. Oh no, we can't get rid of government because it's tracking our every move. It would be like a Chinese citizen, you know, rising up against.
2: Well, I think there's two aspects to that. Certainly if you've got a lot of money and you don't want someone to come and take all your money away, um, you want to make sure that you know what they're doing. But I also think that we are being commodified as well. As, so the more data they have on us, the more analysis mm. they can do, the more that they can look at what they want to sell us. There's actually, mm. On, mm. On, I think it's on Timeline, there's a great um, YouTube clip which is, I think it's North Korean propaganda. Um, and you watch it through and it's actually, you're watching it going because they're showing you clips of people on TV shows you know, getting really excited and screaming and throwing themselves on the ground and they're going, these people are excited about receiving shoes. <laughs> and it, it's true. They're, the amount of data that we're fed or if you have large corporations, it's not just a matter of, of stopping you from addressing your rights. It's also about what we're going to fill available space with. So what do we make desirable? What do we make a pres- symbol of prestige? So it's yes. a, a double and what we, mechanism. Yes. And what are
1: we going to do in terms of, and you mentioned talk about work, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in terms of meaningful work? Meaningful work? We know the jobs are going to disappear, but we discussed the fact there's no reason for work to disappear. There's no there are reason so for our, many things yeah, that
2: can yeah. be done. You, you, take one industry, let's take... Um, medicine, yes. Okay, so um, you you know for a start, you could never have too many carers, but that's not quite what I want mm. to look at here. In terms of manufacturing of equipment that's used in a medical environment, so everything from tubes to um, the machines that they use, that's all done overseas. And often, as it travels through the system here, you've got private healthcare companies. You know, so so you have. Companies that bill hospitals, then bill private healthcare companies, then we pay private healthcare fees. So there's all this kind of people feeding off these goods. We could actually manufacture them here. The the problem, one of the problems with that though, is there are monopolies that the government would actually just have to say, you know, too bad, we, the monopoly is gone. Um, there is data within hospitals, so there are data systems on people and training um, videos and, and all this kind of interaction, which is also managed by private companies and there's a whole series of, of stuff that, that sort of, again, sucks money out of the system, that could be done. It, it's simply, if government starts to look, take each industry back, where you used to have the provision of health and education and, and housing and you look at basic needs, wherever they've been fit, you know, put out to private companies, there, there are ways of then taking it back to the government. Instead of providing for that, that company to make a profit or to bid against each other, all those monies could actually go into either mm. people who work in that industry providing service or who use or make mechanisms that are within that industry to make it better. So everything from trains and, and transport, um, look at education, um, I, we used to have the, the yes, apprenticeship was the system at It at yes, right. yes. had, had, yeah, yeah. had a fantastic yeah. Yeah. reputation. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many new technologies being developed. I mean, I, I know what you said about vocational education, but I think if the TAFE system was refunded, if you're going... It should be t- fabulous. It yeah. should be the
1: most wonderful thing. I, yes. I have
2: no problem with people moving in and being trained to do vocational things because in terms of technology and and. and sort of all different possibilities there, there are areas that are taught in a general fashion that could be, yeah. you know, quite specific and they're amazing skills yeah. to
1: but have. Yeah, I question about... Sorry. So,
0: sorry, I, I just, we need to take a break because it's five o'clock mm. and <laughs> you're on Radio Blue Mountains, Wrights, mm. Rorts and Rands. We're having a fantastic discussion here here with Jeannie Baxter and Warren Ross and... Um, but we do need to take a little bit of break to... uh yeah. for, for, for various reasons, so... Um, we'll be back soon and when we come back maybe we can talk a little bit about um, algorithms ai and as you mentioned the the turning individuals into commodities because in a way i think they're connected if you have in under corporatism if you have a system which is run running on algorithms which only only process value in terms of monetary value, which might only be stock value, or it might not be real value, real product. But, and that's applied to human beings, then you know you get this system. So have a little bit of think about that. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Rights Watson Rants on Radio Blue Mountains, and we're with Jeannie Baxter and Warren Ross, and. You too had a plan. You were planning while I was no, queuing. Warren
1: wants to... Well, look, it's just that... I've been looking at this for around 10 years, This, the role of government in our economy as, 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 a, as, a, as a strong player rather than one that just responds to the, the needs of business. And the, none of these ideas are, are mine at all. They're just ones I looked at. And years ago, working in IAG in the, in the city, big corporation, 22nd management floor, I was looking around wondering, okay, there seems to be no shortage of anything. We've got plenty of food, plenty of resources, plenty of anything. Nothing ever clears in the coals Bay's. There's always plenty there. Aldi's stock full, full of stuff. The only thing we've got a shortage of is money. Now, how can there be a shortage of money? And I started wondering, where does money come from? And scattered around and eventually came across this idea, this modern monetary theory idea, which tells you that government is the originator of money, and this isn't a point of conjecture; it's a fact. Government is the source of source of money. Bank money is different; that comes with debt. But governments have the capacity to spend without debt and to spend in our interest. Now, I've been for many years been listening to people, talking to people, and pushing it to what it is today in the. Yesterday, on the ABC side, a fellow called Gareth Hutchins has written an article about this, about how the government has the capacity to spend. Now, I remember writing to Gareth five years ago, and he was sympathetic to the idea, but writing for the Herald then didn't go anywhere. And a number of these stories are coming out. Today's Financial Review also talks about the government's capacity to spend. So what's changed? Well, suddenly, this system needs spending prior to that they could tell us oh look you know, we just haven't got the money but right at the moment we need the government to play an active role in our society now we could have the best health system the best education system the best public transport system imaginable but we just don't get it we could have there's no reason there's no need for unemployment so what's going on and i think this this is this is the question we're dealing with why don't our representatives, why doesn't our government actually act in our interest? And I think that's... I think, you know, Jenny's labelled this point before because, in effect, corporate interests come first. Mm. We're secondary. And we get what's left over. We must have um, the Mount Druitt multi-development stack with units and we can't have social housing. We have to have a pool of unemployed because we, we don't want... The public sector interfering with the um, private sector's casualisation scheme. Um, this, we we just we are not in the driver's seat. Sadly, we we think we are. We vote every three years, but we're not. Mm.
2: No, I I definitely agree with that. In fact, one of the things I stumbled across today, which which I work for a broker, I should probably disclose this. Um, um, a lot of brokers are complaining about this. Actually, a lot of brokers seem to be taking the brunt of the criticism of the the banks, because what the broker's job is, is if you want a loan, you go to a broker and they go, well this bank has this, 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 is the best option. I can't speak for other brokers because I'd never done anything like this before I started this job, but I have to say that I approached it with, oh, this is not for me, and have found since that actually, we can be there to sort of help people do it, because people have no idea People don't have any idea about what they, they earn, what they spend, how their money works, what's a good idea for them, what isn't. And this now when I watch things like ads on, on banking ads on TV, and the promises and, and the, the assumption that, that this is your security, this is your future, this is everything, it, it's just, it is a sales pitch like anything else, but I think it's one that we fall for, because it's so important to... Like, it, it ties in with the whole Australian dream. I, too, can have, you know, my little patch of, of dirt. But the latest thing I've, I've seen, brokers... And brokers are complaining about this, is that there is this new market that seems to be popping up in financial circus, circles, which is b- bridging loans for small businesses that are about to go under, mm. <laughs> because... Um, as, as sort of their funding gets cut, and, and as, as you know, the bigger businesses they did things like they extended um, payment times. So, whereas before you had like I think it was a 20 day op- window to pay your invoice, now it's you know, much yeah, the, longer 200 yeah. days or something. But the banks are guaranteeing business loans and they're lending money to the banks at 0.25%. So everything that the bank does when they do these business loans is a markup on money that they're being given yes. by the government yes. and the banks are not yeah. in point shutdown. Two five. And, yes. what, and what's the interest rate then? Point, um, well, the lowest housing interest rates, because we tend to deal more with, with housing, the lowest ones are around sort of 2 point something. So we're yeah. already talking, I mean interest rates are very low, but the banks are making a considerable cut. and they you know as interest rates are low they then sign people up for a larger percentage of their income for a longer time as well so you're in effect committing the majority of your income for the next 30 years to have somewhere to live
0: and and this this is where the question of private debt comes in because even though australia's public debt is quite small Small. comparatively private debt, our private debt is phenomenal. And it's
2: owned by, I I I wonder how much of Australia the banks simply own, because they they own people. And you can see every time there's this sort of debate that that, that gets raised again is is people who own their own homes shouldn't get the pension. They should have to borrow against their Their asset to support themselves. Now who loves this idea? The banks, because what this means is they're sitting there basically yeah. getting there, get on both you know, sides of the well, they yeah, then own that asset because they want people in that asset who will then have to pay their money to live in that asset yeah
0: and then pay the, pay the money on the way up when they
2: yeah and pay uh, on, the, on way way down, the way down and then the yeah. next generation is you know where you still, would have had still people inherit have that yes, that money exactly, and, and yeah. to get because they're not getting a start in any other way they've got massive hex debts they've got you know no guarantee of employment the the ones and and it's very uneven too I mean if you know one of the things I guess about death duties which makes everybody's hair stand on end however if you put death duties in there and you say that people who inherit over this much money they have to pay tax on it maybe that would make it a little bit fairer I don't know yeah because you've got you've got investment properties too and again how can our government vote on this when the majority of the government have four or five yes. investment yes. properties? They shouldn't yes. be allowed to make laws That's on right. that.
1: It's a Terrible conflict of interest. No, there was like, something like they had something like 350 billion million dollars invested in, in investment product, our politicians. So again, yeah, I it, think it's a conflict I think of interest? I, should, I yeah. think they
2: should have to divest themselves mm. of those assets before they can run <laughs> government. Yeah, you know
1: yeah, no, exactly. They're, go-
0: they're going to. Um, they're, they're not going to get rid of ne- negative gearing, for instance, no, or, because it suits or any the, of the, the yeah. members
2: of government. But I
0: mean, the larger issue is that, is that really, it's. Um, it's depriving a whole the next generation we depriving repre- and future generations of we very, very basic things and such this as is one of the, the great education and an environment we are but th- this model this economic corporate model corporatism this model is is distro- is is so destructive yeah and yes. you
2: actually have representatives that represent
1: us yes
0: yes that that of the people for the people, by the people, not, you know, for the corporations or for themselves.
1: I think I'll get this message. If I, got, I think his name is David Willits. I saw a book of his down at the Little Lost Bookshop down here. Down here and it was about um, intergenerational disadvantage, yes. you know, about the fact that m- my generation has everything and that the, it, it's us stealing from the, from the young. Yes. and. Um, it carries that idea, this idea of that, you know, we need to give something to... As, as so yep. w- we've taken uh, from them and the idea of intergenerational debt, this yep. idea of intergenerational debt. Well, the biggest debt, or amongst the biggest one of the biggest debt is not providing these young people, which we have very high unemployment in the 15 to 24-year-old, not providing them with a future, forcing them to go... in. Pay usurious you, you sums yes. for their um, for their education, education yeah. locking them out of housing. Yeah, all those things you know, making finding a job as hard as if you want people, these young people, to be productive and supportive people in in fut- of people in future generations, you better make sure they're educated. Yeah, you better make but sure they've got a mm. job and a future. Now that's yeah. about government spending. Yeah. that's not about. And, and and yeah sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. That's well, it. well, well, um, that's
0: great. Right. <laughs> Well, well, the other sort of side of this—I mean, in the present circumstances under COVID, right? There, there's, you know, that 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 um, COVID is what the boomer remover. Uh, well, it's actually not a boomer remover because if you think, if you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of savage. ironic because if you think about it, the statistics on unemployment, poverty, uh, mental health, suicide, uh, all the things that that we are giving our young people, in a way, and um, I don't like saying we, because it's not really no. us, it's no. really our government, um, or it's, our corporatist it's actually government, uh, but yeah, a the, small the
2: th- percent, it's not even people in our age group, it is this it's, it's small, a very small, percentage small percentage of so, people, and some of those people who are taking it are actually people in their twenties and thirties, it is not about We talk about it as a generational thing. It's not. We talk about it as a race thing. It's not. It is a class thing. It's a class thing, There yeah. is a bunch of rich people yeah. at the top. Yep. Yeah. And they are, you know, just look at the Murdochs. They are a generational yeah.
0: bunch yeah. of crooks. And and remember the that? the book that Andrew, <laughs> what was it? um What's his name? Pil- Pilkey? Piketty. P- yeah, yeah. Oh, wrote a fantastic book about yes. that, that wealth nowadays is not about... It's about inheritance, yeah, basically. You can it's a class, you, you, you uh, and you will never get ahead. But
2: your work is not yeah,
0: worth anything. That's right. And so, so, you know, the boomer under COVID, all these measures are being put in place, which are uh, dispropor- disproportionately disadvantaging young people Just for the sake of um, what? Well, the, except the, if you're uh, in the
2: private school system, in which case we now pay more for private schools, and those very, very wealthy yes. private schools, which have. Massive, massive amounts of real estate in this in the city yeah and that's baronial true. libraries these are young people these are people yes. who will have glowing futures yeah, that, and if that's our true. universities that's shut true. down yeah. and are crap yeah their parents will send them to better universities yes. and overseas. they'll have a friend
0: who'll give them a job in they the will l- not legal miss out form. yeah yeah it
2: is it is yeah, so,
0: so i think that's a great way of putting it Jeannie. we it should get get there. take it back to class it's a class system and this is sort of class warfare under the guise in many ways under the guise of of COVID, but under this new regime of corporatism, which in, in all, you know, gathering together all the things we've been talking about, sees people as commodities, and as commodities trades them, we are sort of being traded, we have somehow, us as human beings have somehow entered the value system of the stock market. And what we need to bring back is our own value system, real work. Real production, production of real things. Yes, because it's um, what we can yeah, do. Yeah, uh, work as opposed to jobs. You know, you know what I mean. It's well, like we it,
2: Yeah, we had the the program about the prison system because in the U.S. Um, you have pri- where you have private prisons. If they are not. It, the people, if they're not full, kept full. The people who own the prison are are paid a compensation amount. Yes. So it's yeah. in the interest. So that's where yeah. people are commodities, and we see it here, yeah. where you've got job agencies and where you will have the indu card. So that where it costs as much to be like y- the person on welfare gets their their ha- their help, but it actually costs as much or yes. it, the, the for them, like they have a value in the system yes. as an object yes. and various yeah. private and, companies and, and, and consultants are paid yeah. for simply handling their yeah. information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the question is, how, how how can we not see this? There's a story in yesterday's Guardian about um, a young fellow who, how desperate he is to be unemployed, and he explained he went to his job agency and the job agency was positive and hopeful and, whatever. and then when he didn't get a job, they accused him of being a scrounger. Now, of course, they didn't have any jobs, and maybe they'd find one, but these job agencies generally don't have jobs no, no, because there's a shortage of jobs.
2: That's not... But that uh, if you read their contracts, mm. it's not in their contract to find you a job. Mm. They have no obligation. They're, it's not part of their their reason for existing to find you a job. No. They literally meet up with you and talk to you about it, and it's, it's
1: complete you waste know the of time. I think what their role is, their role is actually to... Um, excuse government for its failure to to fix that problem
2: it's it's also i think a, a system of punishment and control in in that you if it, you it are is. you it are is. considered to be um, because you are they have to justify the fact that they that you are an object or, or a commodity mm. therefore you need to be handled therefore they need to find a series of mm handling events to run you through in order to show that something is being done to address this problem. But it also, and this is somebody, I think somebody who worked at Centrelink said this to me, once that information is in the hand of of private companies, we can't do a Freedom of Information Act on it. Mm. Mm. So it also means that information about employment and about how unemployment and about how people are managed by the system is all private. Mm -hmm. So it's not up for scrutiny Yeah, but I think
1: it's also a little bit like putting people in stocks. Yes, you were yes. saying about, that. and here's an example. This is what happens to you if you don't take that, the worst possible job available at the worst conditions. Well, um, if you don't take that, then there you go.
2: And there's no um, protection if you're injured in one of those jobs. Yeah, either.
0: that's right. So putting people in stocks is actually a great way of expressing it because it's it's also you know literally turning turning people into stocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, look, we have to go now.